0: To be here uh, today and uh, I have many Thank you. I have many uh, many great memories uh, of, with your pastors here brother Lego and I went to Bible school years ago and um, I was on his ordination council when he was ordained and that was a blessing him brother. Kinney, Pastor Kinney. Uh, my, my wife was, helped him be delivered into this world, all right? And she was there. And uh, his dad, Bill Kinney, was just a dear, close friend of mine for many, many, many years. Not only that, but your grandpa and grandmother, Kinney, um, I knew them well. I was in church with them for many years. And uh, they both would grow roses. They just loved growing roses. And Mr. Kinney did small engine repair work. And he would fix and repair my mower for me under one condition. And that condition was I only use mobile oil. He said, if, you, if I find out you use anything but mobile oil, I will not work on your, your mower. And so um, that was it. So it was great. I have wonderful memories about both these families. I love them dearly. I th- thank the Lord for them. Um, if you would turn into your Bibles to Revelation chapter 1, you know, as a pastor, I pastored 29 years, the same church. The Hunters Creek Bible Baptist Church in Holland, New York. I've been in the ministry really for thirty-eight years now, and uh, although uh, some say I'm uh, I'm retired, I I still am preaching quite a bit. I preached this last Sunday at, at Faith Baptist Church and outside of Philadelphia, and uh, I fill in for my pastor down in uh, Tennessee, and I fill in for a lot of other pastors uh, as well. And so, uh, praise the Lord. I tell people, when I preach to young people, I tell them, I'm so old. I am so old that I was born back in the 1900s. (laughs) Whoa. Whoa. Amen. So, amen. Amen. But you know, as a as a pastor and all the responsibilities I had, there were times when my calendar events were full. I had more things on my calendar than I could uh, even uh, than I could than I could deal with. Sometimes there were four, five, six events on a single single Saturday. You know, up here in New York. Summer is short, so they cram everything into those, you know, those uh, 12 Saturdays, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, Down in Tennessee, there really is no winter, amen. (laughs) It gets a little cool down there, Uh, but uh, it's a year-round stuff going on down there. But sometimes, when I was up here, there were many things... That took up my time. I was very involved in the Chamber of Commerce, and of course, our, oh, the Kiwanis program. There would be weddings, there would be graduations, there would be reunions, uh, you know, family get-together, all kinds of things, and I couldn't be. I couldn't be in two places at one time. But we joke about cloning ourselves at times, and. Uh, Because we're so busy and we need to be two places at one time. Well, I found somebody in the Bible who was in two places at the same time. And that's what I want to preach to you about tonight. If you would, please, in reverence for the word of God, would you stand with me as I read Revelation chapter 1, verses 9, 10, and 11. It says, I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God, for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest, write it in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus and unto Smyrna and unto Pergamos and unto Thyatira and unto Sardis and unto Philadelphia and unto Laodicea. Let me take a moment for prayer, please. Join me. Father, I ask you to bless this teaching tonight. I pray you'd use me. Uh, Lord, to bring across the message of hope uh, to this people today. I'm thankful for the opportunity to be here behind this blessed pulpit. Lord, there are many people here today. Some I know, some I don't know. And Lord, I pray that if there's any here today that do not know Christ as their Savior, that this might be the day they come to know to know Him who gives life and gives it more abundantly. To the others, Lord, we're a needy people. I pray you would meet the needs according to your riches and glory, by Christ Jesus. I pray, for it's in His name I pray today. Amen, amen. You may be seated. You know, history records for us that John, the Apostle John, was to be killed by being boiled in oil. Well, they were uh, the Romans were very unsuccessful at that. Uh, he didn't die. So the Romans exiled him on a Greek island called Patmos uh, by the Roman Emperor Domitian. Uh, never let it be said that a guy can't be in two places at the same time. Because around 95 AD, this aged apostle abandoned uh, to a desolate island believed him to, himself to be elsewhere, fully cognizant uh, of his surroundings, he stated that he, um, that, that he uh, where is it now, that he is in the isle that is called Patmos. Now, that's where he was physically, so he couldn't really be anywhere else. But then he went on to say, I was in the spirit. On that day as well. That is, he was in two places at once. He had he had not been uh, he had he had not been released from Patmos, but Patmos was not his only abode. While he was in Patmos, he was also in the spirit. Two different places at the same time. At a time when he should have been enjoying his senior years. At a time when he should have been enjoying his retirement, he was in Patmos. In the senior years of his life, he should have been counseling and teaching and training and mentoring and discipling, you know, young preachers, but he was incarcerated in Patmos when he should have been honored as pastor emeritus by the churches. He was exiled to the island of Patmos. Every individual has his or her own Patmos to deal with. Your Patmos might be in the form of a diseased, uh, aging uh, body, a broken body, maybe bound in a wheelchair, maybe bedridden. Maybe it's financial hardships that you have to deal with that have befallen you. Patmos for you might be a wayward child. It might be a wayward grandchild, a dysfunctional family, the loss of a loved one, or literally locked up behind bars. Maybe you're in a spiritual desert. You know, maybe for young people, uh, having to follow all the rules and the regulations and the boundaries that place that are placed upon you by your elders or your parents and you, that you disagree with. That may be your papmos. John does not minimize his papmos at all, nor does he exaggerate it. He simply states that his lot in life at that time was to be in Patmos and then he goes on to say I was in the spirit amen and the and his entire outlook on life then changes you see that he knew that he was in the spirit made it bearable for him to be in Patmos if Patmos was harsh the spirit was ecstasy (laughs) if Patmos is his cross the spirit was his glory. If You know, Patmos offered the condition, but the spirit offered the position. Patmos was outward. The spirit was inward two places at once. I want you to see, first of all, the, the contrast between an outward poverty and an inward plenty dealing with John. An exiled prisoner doesn't normally get to live in luxury uh, whatsoever. John was forced, I believe, to live in a a meager existence. His only possessions, probably the clothes on his back and obviously some writing utensils, uh, instruments, that he could record all of this for us. And even before his exile in Patmos, he probably... Uh, not had not known wealth or abundance at all, and even more so now. Many saints of God that I know have struggled all their lives just to stay afloat, if you please, just to keep their head above water financially, barely surviving, living, paycheck to paycheck, juggling bills, swamped in debt, you know, seemingly always a step behind. I have been there in years gone by. And I know that it's not not necessarily that you sit around and dream of your mansion or your fancy cars or designer clothes or luxurious living, but if you just just would like to be able to breathe a little easier. Amen. There were times when I remember one of the first verses that God spoke to my heart about before I, uh, before he called me to preach. Uh, It's in Luke. And he says, when the son of man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? And the connotation is no, he's not going to find much faith. And and I used to pray, God, I want to live by faith. I want to live by faith. Well, amen. You know, and I did, I did for many, many years. And then there got to a point where I said, you know, God, that faith thing, you know, could you ease up a little bit on it and, you know, <laughs> that sort of thing. Well, he, and he did. So praise the Lord. I thank the Lord. That's Patmos. All right. Many people are on the same, in the same boat as you or on the same island with you. And there looks to be oftentimes no way of escape. But if John were telling the story, he would want you to know that he was not just in Patmos, but he was also in the Spirit. And we would say John, John lived in poverty, but then John would say, no, he, he lived in plenty he lived in plenty. It's interesting to read that John wrote to the church at Smyrna while on Patmos and com- commented on their poverty. Look in chapter 2 and in verse 9. It says, I know thy works. He's writing to the church. I know thy works and thy tribulation. You're Patmos, all right? And Poverty. He's aware of their poverty. Smyrna was obviously a church that had a lot of poverty, a lot of poor people in it. But then John quickly adds a parenthesis and says, but thou art rich. (laughs) You're rich. You're blessed. They were poor, but they were also rich. You know, I've had the opportunity to travel around the United States, but travel outside of our country too. I've been to Yellowknife, Northwest Territories. I've been to Mexico about a dozen times. I've been to St. Croix, Virgin Islands uh, 14 times. I've been to Bulgaria and Romania, and I've been to the Democratic Republic of the Congo and up the Congo River with a missionary. And with no electric and no running water and no bathrooms and no showers and no cars and no restaurants and no grocery stores, nothing. They had nothing. They just ate from the gardens that they planted. And I was there for, I, I, I don't remember, quite two, over two weeks, two and a half weeks, I think. They lived in mud or hatch, uh, thatch houses. And I uh, had church under a big tree, and uh, 10 different churches we visited and I preached at. We ate the same food, same exact food every day, two or three times a day, and maybe a little fish uh, from the river. Uh, but these folks were the happiest people I have ever met on the face of this earth. You know why? because they had the Lord in their lives. They were a blessing. You know, I believe the, the Apostle Paul understood this perfectly when he said in 2 Corinthians 6.10, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, and yet possessing all things. Amen. And I, like I said many times, uh, when I was a full-time pastor my family and I struggled to make ends meet to live within our means and not sure if I would get a paycheck from week to week quite frankly and uh, but while uh, but that was only my patmos all right that was only I can tell you one quick story I had to uh, one of the self-proclaimed deacons, he wasn't a deacon, he was a self-proclaimed deacon in the church, he came to the parsonage where we were staying, knocked on the door, and he said, we want you gone. We want you out of here. I had just become, I was the new pastor there, you know, a year, or two, almost two years, actually. We want you out of here. Go back to the city where you came from. You know, and he said, He poked his finger at my chest and he said, we're going to starve you out. That's what he told me. And so I took my finger and I poked it back in his chest. And I said, if there's a God in heaven, you cannot starve me out. Because God promised me that he would supply all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Amen. And and. That night, my wife says, we don't have anything to eat. And I said, just make something. Just throw it together, soup, whatever, make something. And she goes, no, we don't even have, we have nothing in the house. And I said, well, I guess we better pray. And so we prayed that night. And I prayed to my father, who owns cattle on a thousand hills. And by the way, he owns the hills, too. Amen. Amen. And I said, God, it's time to cash in a cow for me, amen, for my family. And 20 minutes later, a knock at my door. A lady's at my door. I never saw or met before. And she says, are you the new preacher in town? Well, I'd been there two years. But, you know, if you aren't born and raised in that little town, then you're, uh, you know, you're new. I was there 20 years before they really accepted me as a Hollander, you know. So, uh, amen. And so, uh, um, uh, she she said, uh, she gave me her name. She says, we own the dairy farm up on Vermont Hill, not too, you know, a couple of miles from the church. I said, oh, okay. She said, we just got done butchering some cows, and we don't have room enough in our freezer. I was wondering if you could use about 40 pounds of hamburger. I said, I said, yes, ma'am, we would gladly take that off your hands. So it came in a, a big plastic bag, 40 pounds of hamburger, amen. And my wife and I went to the store and bought a loaf of bread or something, and we were, we were happy as can be, just blessed by the Lord, amen. Praise the Lord. Listen, I, I'm, I'm rich. I was still rich. Man, I I I got a mansion waiting for me in heaven. Amen. You can come and visit me when you get there. I'll be at seven 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 Praisealuya Boulevard. Amen. Our listen, our fortune is greater than that of Ford Knox, and our worth is off the charts when it comes to God. We saw that. We see the contrast between our outward poverty. And an inward plenty. I want you also to see John's outward bondage and inward freedom. He said, I was in Patmos. And with that one sentence, we see a picture of confinement, of incarceration, of being restricted, being quarantined, that sort of thing. And then he says, I was in the Spirit. And with that phrase, we picture freedom. Freedom is painted for all to see. Freedom. Amen. See, in Christ, ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The Bible says, and if the Son of Man shall make you free, ye shall be free. And do you know what you're looking at? The original free willy. Amen. That's me. Amen. I, I went to Albany one time with our group, our church group, and other pastors and and uh, I made an appointment to speak to our senator there, Senator Volker, and we, and we made an appointment, so we showed up a few minutes early, and the secretary said, you'll have to wait a couple of minutes. There's a group in there, and they're about ready to come out. And I said, okay. They came out. They came out, and they had these big buttons. Free Willie. Free the whales. You know, that, that's what they were so concerned about. Free, and, and the lady came out. I saw that button, and I went, whoop! He goes, well, you know, like, what's your problem? And I'm like, I'm the original free willie. Amen. Because and, and, Jesus saved me. Amen. And she, they couldn't get out of there fast enough. Then we got in. Amen. So, amen. Outward bondage, but an inward freedom. John found freedom and he found an escape from his outward confinement through the Spirit of God. It was while the Apostle Paul was in prison that Paul wrote the wonderful epistles that we read of Colossians, and Philippi and Ephesus. And he was in prison when he wrote those books. And yet when we read those books, you'll not find words of a confined soul Whatsoever, because these are the writings of a man who enjoyed his freedom and liberty that he had in Jesus Christ. They, they took him, they took Paul from society and shut him down and put him in, in those prisons and, and, and those prison walls around him. You know what he did? He found a way to be in the spirit and he wrote a being in heavenly places, in Christ Jesus. Wow. Wow. Wasn't it, can you imagine seated in a Roman dungeon with the Apostle Paul and yet seated in heavenly places in Christ? Hallelujah. How can you be seated in heavenly places Places in Christ when you're sitting in a cold, damp cobblestone floor with iron bars around you. Paul did. Paul did. Him and Silas, they sang at midnight. They had the glory of the Lord on them. Wasn't it the Apostle Paul who said, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body, I cannot tell, whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth, such an one was caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth, how that he was caught up into paradise, and he heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. You know, it is, it's, been, it, it's, been well, it's been well said that the devil can try to wall you in but he can't roof you in, all right? He can't roof you in. And when there's no way out, there's always a way up, amen? And so uh, we saw a contrast, not just between... John's poverty, uh, uh, outward poverty and inward plenty, and not just his outward bondage and inward freedom, but also a contrast between an outward storm and an inward calm. Surrounding John's island, there was this raging sea, the Aegean Sea. I, when I think about that, when I read that, it rem, it reminds me the picture that I conjure up in my mind is Alcatraz, all right, which is a prison island in San Francisco Bay and not in use today, I don't believe. So, uh, but that's what I think of. And, and I, I look at me over in Revelation 21, just for a moment here, too. Revelation 21. When John wrote of the New Jerusalem, he wrote this in Revelation 21, verse 1. I saw, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. <laughs> I think John's saying, I don't have to put up with that anymore. When I get to heaven, there's no more sea. I don't have to deal with that. Any more, you know, some of you I know, I, you would love to live on the ocean, you know, and you know and see the waves coming slowly in, but he's on this island. I think the waves are just crashing on the rocks and the boulders. That's how I picture it. And he's talking about the new heaven and new earth, and he says there's not going to be any more sea that I have to deal with. Amen. And he says, "I John saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband." You see, John uh, to John, that agency, I believe, represented some of those conditions of, of surges and rushes and swells and you know that sends one wave after another um, come crashing down on anything and everything. In its way, and perhaps you know, perhaps surrounding your life, there are conditions that remind you of the course of the sea as well. And there's uh, there's no life that is safe against the storm and a great tempest. You know, I read about, and you can turn there if you'd like. I always encourage you to turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter four. In Mark chapter 4, is, I just want to talk real briefly about the, the maniac of Gadara. In Mark, he's in Mark chapter 5, and we'll look at that. But in Mark chapter 4, in verse 37, the disciples are all in a boat, and the Lord is asleep in a boat, and there's a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now fall. I mean, this ship's about ready to sink. And then in verse 9, jesus they wake him up, and he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. And then the next, the next few verses, Mark 5, look at verse 2. When, when he was come out of the ship, when the Lord was come out, immediately there met him. Out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. I get the picture, I picture him running down to the beachfront. I'm gonna go see this guy. I need to talk to this guy. And who, it says, this man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. Because he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. I mean, he is one troubled individual. And I think what he saw was this storm on the sea and the ship about ready to sink, and Jesus gets up and just it's everything's calm. It's peaceful. And I think this maniac is saying, if he can do that, he can calm the tempest, the storm that's in me. It's in my heart. And, and really, that's what happens. Because in verse 15, they come to Jesus. The town comes to Jesus. They see him. They see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed. And in his right mind. And they were afraid. Outward storm. Inward peace, inward calm. It seems that some people in life do get a smooth passage across the ocean of circumstances. Some people seem to have the favorable winds and smooth sailing. But I fear there is appointed for many of us a storm. And someone has wisely said we're either We're either heading into a storm, we're in the midst of a storm, or we're coming out of a storm. And for most of us, that's the case. There will be darkened days and skies above us, trials and tempestuous seas around us, thunderclaps within us, amen? Some, even in this church right now, I'm certain, may be going through a rough passage right now. That's Patmos. That's your Patmos. But that is not all of the story. All right? I like what the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 26, verse 3 and 4. He gives us some very encouraging words. Boy, do I love this for these verses. I love the word of God. It says, thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on thee. Because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Amen. He says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, not those whose circumstances are easy, not those whose road is smooth and plain, not those whose situation is always favorable, no. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Amen. And that is the way of the Spirit of God. And now I want you to see another contrast as well. It's between an outward solitude and an inward company, if you please. You see, the apostle John had walked with Jesus Christ... And he had, he had held such close companionships with the men like Peter and James. Peter, James, and John. The fabulous three, all right? I mean, the inner circle, if you please. He, John was in the ministry. He was loved by the saints in Asia Minor. And he had enjoyed the sweet fellowship of all of the apostles, But now his friends, the other apostles, they're all gone. They're dead. They're they're with the Lord already. He was taken from that sweet fellowship and he thrust into a, a hostile place of unfriendly company and uncomfortable conditions. You know what John was? He was lonely. And you would be too. When the Lord's day came around, don't you know, he missed the times that he had walked and talked and slept and ate with Jesus and the other disciples and continuing steadfastly in you know, the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and prayers. He missed the sweet communion with the saints of God. He longed, I'm sure, to hear the voices of the saints of God in song as they worshiped the Lord together. He desired more than anything to once again, I believe, see their smiling faces and enjoy their laughter together. And he's lonely. But then John hears a distinctive note. In Revelation chapter 1 and verse 10 and 11, he said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And I heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega. The first and the last. And that feeling, I think, that John had of solitude fled, and he discovers that he's not alone at all. <laughs> oh, he's surrounded by men, maybe of the lowest sorts, but that's his Patmos. But also now he's in the presence of Jesus. He is in the Spirit of God. You may be thinking that you know what it's like. You know what it's like to be the only Christian in your surrounding. You might say, I'm the only Christian where I work. I'm the only Christian in the school that I go. I'm the only Christian in my class. I'm the only Christian. You know, you may know what that feels like. But though you're walking with God, if you're walking with God, you are never alone. Maybe you say, My husband, my wife, my spouse won't join you. You know, your children have left and gone their way. Your friends all seem to be going in a different direction, but that is your Patmos. And if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have sweet company. And you have the fellowship of the Holy Spirit of God in your life. And if it was this spirit that Jesus had in mind when he said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. John chapter 14 and verse 25, Jesus said, These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I've said unto you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. You know, Isaiah forty-eight twenty-two says there is no peace. Uh, that uh, uh, I'm sorry. He says, "There's no peace," saith the Lord, under the wicked. The wicked have no clue. The peace that a Christian can have—it's a peace that passeth all understanding. It's awesome. It's awesome. See, your condition may make you feel bleak, but your position in Christ is bountiful. You may be standing in prison. You may be restricted from travel or lying in a hospital bed. But you're seated in heavenly places in Christ. And you possess that peace that passeth all understanding. If you know the Lord today, you may be in rags. You might be in financial bankruptcy. But you're rich really beyond compare. You may think that you're dirt. You may think that you're worthless and that you're not even worthy to be in this church and sit in this church. But God says, you are the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. He died for you and he loves you. You might feel like you don't have a friend in the world, but you have a friend that sticketh closer than a brother, who says I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. John the Apostle said, I was in Patmos, and I was in the Spirit. Christians, we have a unique ability to be in two places at the same time. Romans chapter 8, verse 5 says... They that are in the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. We saw the contrast between an outward poverty and and an inward plenty, an outward bondage and an inward freedom, an outward storm and an inward calm, An outward solitude and an inward company. Can I encourage you? Get in this book. Get to know the God of the Bible in a more personal, intimate way. Get to know the author of this book. You know, when I was a kid, I made it, graduated from high school by the skin of my teeth. Hardly read a book in my life. I was not a good reader. But after I got saved, uh, I, can I, I got a Bible, and I started reading it and because I wanted to know the things of God. And I started reading it, and I, I, I devoured it. I would read 10, 20, 30 chapters a night. I couldn't get enough of it. I fell in love with reading. I fell in love with the Bible, and I fell in love with the author. Of this book. It was a win, win, win. And I even fell in love with a woman who gave me the Bible. Amen. So it was a win, 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 win situation for me. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's stand, shall we, for prayer today. Pastor Kenny. I pray that you would get to know the God of the Bible and get into the spirit. You may be lost here tonight and can't find, uh, you know, cannot be in the spirit. You, you, Unless you're saved and born again. You can't have that peace that passeth all understanding unless you've been born again by the spirit of God. Only a Christian can be in two places at the same time. Let me pray, shall we? Father, I pray you would bless these people in this congregation and this message to their hearts and to their minds. Lord, I pray and help us to see a little more clearly and understand a little more clearly what John went through when he wrote that book of Revelation. Thank you for those wonderful words. Thank you for this book, an awe-inspiring Bible which changes our lives for the better, I pray. Father, if there's any here that are stuck in Patmos and can't get out, God, help them to see that they can be in the Spirit as well, I pray, by putting their faith and trust in you and casting all their care upon you, for you care for them. Bless the invitation time as only you can and will. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.